strong brands are actually not made by accident. It's not just something to happen. For me, brands are really made by design. Welcome to Branding Overwine, an exclusive podcast by Branding Mag. I'm Martin Shearer, and I'm super excited to be sharing some great conversation with some of our personal branding heroes. And with us here today, we have a marketeer who successfully combines the latest marketing science with practical implementation to build meaningful power brands. He has been voted the marketeer of the year for Belgium and is brand marketing and communications director at Unilever. Chris Michels, welcome to Branding Mag and another episode of our podcast. And welcome, Chris. I'm so happy to have you finally in the show. You're one of my great marketing heroes of somebody that looks at marketing science and the practical implementation of marketing and knows how to combine that. Chris has been Marketeer of the Year for Belgium in 2022 and is Brand Communication Director at Unilever. So welcome, Chris. Hey, Martin. Uh, so nice. Uh, thank you for the invitation. Uh, very happy uh, to be here. Super. So let's dive straight in. And one of the things that, you know, is the most fascinating about building brands is how to build them, how to build them strong. And you and Unilever have a lot of experience with that. So can you say something about uh, how to build strong brands? What's your vision on that? Yeah, sure. Um, and Unilever, of course, has many of those amazing uh, strong brands. And for me, it's uh, maybe first good to realize that strong brands are actually not made by accident. It's not just something to happen. For me, brands are really made by design. And more than ever, I think we as marketeers, we need to go back to that designing because the essence of our job is actually the strengthening of brands from the core, especially also today where there are so many branded and non-branded options to choose from. So strong brands um, are indeed important and it's the key role of a marketeer. And then your good question, what makes a, a, a strong brand? Is it a, is it the brand that everybody knows? So a brand that comes first to mind, or is it a brand that everybody recognizes if they see a small uh, part of it? I always then have that example of the McDonald's arches, that moment when you see the yellow, you immediately know uh, what it is. Um, or is it about being the biggest brands uh, in the category? I think it can be all that, but I like the model I have been working with for the last years, and that's the, the brand power model. It's a contact mm. model. And that brand power model is actually made up out of three elements that can be measured. So I like measurement. Um, I can tell you that. So, so they can be measured, those three elements, and it can be turned into a score, into one value, the brand power value. And then, of course, you want to know what are those three elements for an, uh, a strong brand power. That's, of course, the first one is saliency. So how quickly comes a brand to mind in a buying decision? The second one that we measure is meaningfulness. So how good does the brand meet the needs of the consumers? And how connected does that consumer feel to the brand? And then the third element is difference. How unique and dynamic is the brand? So if we talk about meeting consumer needs, then we first need to understand really what those needs are. When we talk about difference, we need to understand how we can drive difference. So there's a lot of consumer work involved as well. And then for me, a strong brand has high brand power. It comes easily to mind and it's meaningfully different. There's, there's one big advantage of brand power and it's really a measure of equity. And within a category, we can then also compare the different equities and we can take appropriate actions to strengthen the brand even more. What I like about the model 
is that on one hand, it really looks at what makes the brand unique and also what makes it relevant in the lives of the consumer and quantifies it at the same time and then makes it simple to work with, with only a couple of numbers, three numbers translated into one. That is indeed a strong model. Yeah, exactly. And it's such a good uh, guidance to then take decisions upon and to craft actually the plans um, to make your brand stronger. We talked about brands and the next best, best question talking about brands is about brands and marketing philosophy. So Unilever has this philosophy of get on the front line of marketing. And we talked a lot also about, about your own vision of marketing. Can you say a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, at Unilever, we actually have an, uh, our marketing philosophy and we call it get on the front line uh, marketing. And mm -hmm. to me, it's a simple yet up to date look at marketing. And it's not at all rocket science. Um, and I think that many brands, many companies have actually a very similar approach. But what I like specifically with get on the front line is its simplicity in how it's presented towards the community, towards the marketing community. So it's easily to understand for everybody uh, in the organization. And I think that get on the front line, in essence, is a call to action for marketeers to really be on the front line of society. I like that word front line. So it's really about being there where things happen. And it's about being uh, relevant in today's and tomorrow's world. And then in that get on the front line philosophy, there's three pillars. Um, yeah, all good things uh, always come in three. Um, the first big <laughs> yeah. pillar in the get on the front line uh, philosophy is everything that has to do with the consumer. And we call that get real, like this kind of expression, really, hey, get real. So it's about step changing your consumer understanding so that you can discover new pain points to solve. In get real, we really combine empathy with data. And I think that mm. is a really strong combination because it's not only science, it's also empathy, it's also art. And that combination for me is a very powerful one. So on that empathy side, we talk more about understanding system one and system two thinking, you know, system one being that impulse system and system two being the rational system. I think that in the past, we focused too much on the rational thinking only, um, while we know that most buying decisions are actually very impulse-driven uh, decisions, maybe not impulse, but at least emotional decisions. So understanding that gap between what people really say rationally and actually do emotionally is really important. And I think that their empathy plays a big role in really understanding that and connecting with people to understand that. But then there's, of course, also the data side. Um, and I think that we have more and more data available today um, when it comes to that real consumer behavior. There's a lot uh, from Ehrenberg Baas, Byron Sharp, that tell us that brands are, are leaky buckets, that we are constantly losing consumers. So we need to recruit them and focus on penetration rather than on loyalty. So there's a lot of data on, there's a lot of science, but there's also real-time data at our disposal. We can see the immediate impact of the decisions we make, the actions we do, we can adapt directly. But we also have more and more neuroscience data, implicit uh, behavior research. So even when people say one thing, data can show uh, that they do something, uh, something else. If we understand the consumer better, so if we have these different data points, we can discover new needs or we can meet existing needs in a better way. Um, and that's in the end what we're after, solving consumer needs better than uh, competition does. And that for me is really that getting real part. Um, I think that 
maybe weighing in a bit of my own experience as a, a an old marketeer. Um, having empathy, working with that, that data is great, um, but we also do have our own experiences. And it's also my call to action to, uh, to all marketeers to allow that marketing and creative intuition, because it's going to be our experience and our intuition and creativity that's really going to make the difference, uh, especially in, words, in worlds where uh, there's artificial intelligence everywhere uh, now. So really call out to the marketeers. Yes, empathy, understanding consumer data, but also give a place to your own intuition and creativity. And then, so that is get real, everything about consumer knowledge. And that was only one pillar. <laughs> Obviously, we can fill a whole day with this podcast, with these great marketing ideas. What I really also like about get real, it's very practical. You know, sometimes when it comes to branding, especially when you get agencies involved and you get branding consultancies involved, it becomes very fluffy and brands become this abstract constructs that nobody seems to understand anymore and start living a life. And what I like about this, it just really looks at consumer concentricity, pain points, and the role of branding and marketing science in this uh, in, in, in consumer behavior. And so, it's maybe when it sounds easy, um, and everybody talks about customer and consumer centricity, but of course, it's not an easy one to really do in real life. Um, and that is exactly. something that we have to keep in mind. It is about, in the end, solving real consumer and customer problems. But uh, So that was Get Real. And uh, the second bucket uh, in that Get on the Frontline philosophy is um, doing good. So you see simplicity, get real, do good. And this is really about making a positive impact on people and planet on several levels. Um, at Unilever specifically, every brand needs to have a purpose. It, uh, it's part of the brand DNA. It states what positive contribution the brand makes to the world. Um, but I think that purpose is a, a topic on its own. Um, what's also important in that do good element um, is diversity and inclusion. Um, we really want to be an ambassador for diversity and inclusion in everything that we do. As marketeers, we really have that power to shape how people see the world. So it's important to think diversity end-to-end, -end, and not only in our advertising, also in our organization, the agencies we work with. So that is an other important aspect of the do-good part. And then we also need, of course, at the core, to create products and services that are more and more sustainable, and that do good for the people and the planet. So we have get real and do good. And then there's a third pillar. <laughs> Before we dive into the third pillar, let's uh, talk a bit about do good without diving into purpose. We'll address that topic a bit later on in the show. So what, I, what, what is nice here, you see this happening more and more with marketing organizations that they understand it's not just communication. It's if you're, if you're about diversity, it also means within the organization. And you, you want to perhaps even call it employee branding or branding from the inside so that, this, that companies and brands realize they're actually interconnected and that it's not one without the other. Also, whether with purpose, let's talk a bit about it later, uh, a bit more. About uh, uh, brand growth. It's also one of the key things, you know, when uh, we, we marketeers, uh, we have to deal with and our brands need to grow. How do you value brand growth? If okay for you, I just finished Get on the Frontline, uh, which is three yes, pillars, yes, yes. Get Real, Do Good, and the third one, but it's a very short one, uh, Martin, so no worries. Uh, so it's about <laughs> being unmissable. Um, so 
you can't be missed as a brand. Um, and so that third pillar is really about the next level mental and physical availability. So in that world where you have thousands of brands that are screaming for attention, um, it's really about stepping up your creativity and we need to create more impactful work. Um, in an ideal scenario, you even can create a movement with your brand. Um, and then physical av availability, um, it's quite, uh, well, think about where your consumers are spending their time browsing and shopping, adapt your channels. And of course, here, there's a big role for those different, the new different digital chan uh, channels. So marketing philosophy at uh, Unilever, get real, do good and be unmissable. And of course, that has to lead to uh, brand growth. That is a good one. And good that we quickly got in the third point. I mean, it was very short, but it's perhaps just as important as the other two. It's it's what makes marketing and branding work. So be unmissable. So that's, we're talking about uh, saliency here. Also, we're talking about uh, uh, being there in people's minds and being there physically. So we have indeed the three aspects. So get real, do good, be uh, be unmissable. And that leads us to brand growth. Now, how do you measure brand growth? How do you value it? Perhaps is a better word. Yeah, and there also, again, that data dimension comes in. And I think that um, in today's business world, and yeah, let's be honest, also to justify our investments. And um, it's like this kind of uh, swing. Eh, on the, sometimes marketing is in the lead, and then marketing is, again, sometimes it's a profit-centered and it's a cost-centered. Um, but in today's world, we have to justify our uh, investments. And it's important to find a way to, to measure brand strength and to measure, actually, the progress you make as a brand. Um, I also realize not everybody has the same budgets and resources for extensive research. But there, for me, there are several ways to look at brand growth. You can really look at the direct business impact. It's what you see in your organization. It's um, how are you, how are your sales evolving, and also what drives it. Is it only promotion? Is that what you want? Um, you can look at volume and value share, um, and how you deliver against competition. You can also look at margin development, which I think is a very interesting one because if you are able to increase your prices and margins, it means that your brand is strong enough to support that. So the exactly. more you're capable of increasing that it is a signal or a sign that your brand is gaining strength or is strong. So those are the ones that you have easily uh, available. Um, and I would really track those um, and look at it. Also as a marketeer, understand those sales fundamentals. Exactly. And margins is perhaps the, uh, the, the value that is most un snowed under these days. Well, it's such an important one, especially... At, as we are all on the brink of the recession, perhaps we're already in it, uh, perhaps we will be in it, or perhaps we'll be able to avoid it. But as you see now, the brands that are doing relatively well are the ones that have had to discount less. And the brands that are beating the competition, and the competition is often private label. And there, the strength of the brand grows from, and it's not only in sales, and it's not only in, in market share. No, fully agree. And I think that they're also... Uh, the the good old marketing school, the four P's of marketing, price is a very important element um, in your marketing mix. Eh? Place, product, promotion, and price. How can you work price? Indeed. How can you strengthen the brand um, so that you can 
increase prices. And then another for me, and if I look at brand value and brand power, then yeah, I link it back to, to brand power. I uh, spoke about it a few minutes ago and we measure brand power at Unilever. Many companies uh, measure brand power because it's an interesting uh, metric. And there's a very clear proven correlation between brand power and share growth. So That's if you work on those three elements of brand power, which was saliency, uh, meaningfulness, and difference. Well, if you increase brand power, data shows that you will increase your volume share, and that is sales. And then I can, uh, if you don't have the resources yourself for, for, for that modeling, that brand power modeling, I would just say, maybe create your own brand power measurement. It won't be scientifically correct, but at least you can track an evolution. So brand exactly. power was about that meaningfulness, meeting the needs, the difference, being unique, the saliency. Do you come top of mind? Well, create your own survey asking about those dim dimensions. Do I meet your needs? Are my activations fun and dynamic? Is my brand unique? And so on and so on. And then just repeat that survey on regular intervals and you will see an evolution. So there's always ways to, to bring in data in your story and to actually have a sense of a notion of your brand power. That makes all the sense in the world. And as you rightly say, so not all brands will be able to measure everything in such detail and perhaps in such abstract levels, but you can do a lot yourself already. As long as it's evidence-based, as long as it's like fact-based and goes beyond intuition, although intuition is always important, but something to be a bit more objective without actually being scientific, that, that really helps. Exactly. And your first step doesn't need to be perfect. So just um, get started. Um, think about what you want to measure, how you can measure it, and then be consistent in um, your measurement. And then, of course, if you see trends or insights coming from that data, implement those in your decisions to make things better. Indeed. Indeed. And this is something that is sometimes an, a misunderstanding with, uh, with the research and what you measure. So uh, the data does not have to be perfect. You know, you can it can be skewed in one thing as long as the skew is consistent and that you measure it every time. If there is a, a, a skew or if there is a, a divergence of reality, that is often the case. But as long as it's consistent, you can measure it, then you're already two steps ahead of the competition. I like your uh, that you I like it that you mentioned this, especially that consistency. And also the under you have to understand what you're measuring and you have to understand what is positive about it and what is uh, negative about it. That, uh, and we talked a bit, a bit earlier about it a bit, uh, brand purpose. So brand purpose, eh, you cannot have a branding show without diving deep into brand purpose these days, but let's dissect it and let's, let's, let's get real, if you would say, call it with brand purpose. So brand purpose is often a buzzword in organizations and many marketeers are struggling with it on how to make it real and how to do it. So we're literally how to implement it in such a way that it makes marketing sense. Can you explain a bit more your view on this? Yes. And um, I talk to a lot of marketeers, people at companies. And what for me over the last two, three years has been a very interesting and nice evolution to see is the, real, the, the importance of um, purpose in organizations. And sometimes there's different names for it, um, but you really see that the movement has picked up uh, and that companies want to make a difference. But maybe first it's good to recognize that there's a difference between purpose and sustainability. Uh, 
It can be the same. It can be linked. If your purpose is, of course, about sustainability, think Patagonia, for example. But purpose and sustainability don't have to be uh, the same. Um, purpose for me is the reason why you exist and that beyond profit generation for the company. It's how a brand contributes positively to the world. And ideally, or not even ideally, to me, it has to be unique to your brand because purpose is something that should um, help your brand in your brand positioning. So you need to find something also that's unique to the brand. And then next to uh, purpose, there is what I call the three Ps, the people, planet, product philosophy. It's about uh, being positive for the health of the people. For example, uh, lower sugar um, in your product, salt reduction. But you already see there, that's not unique. Every brand can work on that. So for me, that's more of a um, sustainability element or people product uh, plan, um, people planet product philosophy. <laughs> so it's yeah. positive for planet health, less plastic, also not something unique for a specific brand. And it's about positive product. Is it made in the best possible uh, way? Um, and there's also the importance of superior products. You, you, what I, you know what I like about your vision is that purpose uh, is in your vision less bland. So it's not purpose in general, which can be sustainable, but it's not vague because if it's, let's say, reducing plastic, exactly as you say, there are so many brands that already do that. And what I really like about this, how you use purpose to define your brand and also the uniqueness of brands. So you go a step further and that makes it more relevant. Uh, yeah, especially more relevant for your brand and for the consumer. And again, it's very good that there's a lot of companies uh, tackling plastic waste, by the way, or doing sugar reduction. That's very good. And more companies need to do that. But for me, purpose is really going um, um, beyond uh, and above that. And why purpose? It's because the data shows that almost 80% or 79% mm. of people, they blame businesses for the negative impacts around us. That's really a high number. So as a business, you really need to act and contribute to, to that better world. People expect it, and a business can only thrive in a healthy environment. So purpose is important. And um, what is an interesting one is that we see from that brand power model that I've now mentioned already a few times, you can really tell I'm a fan, but you see that purpose strongly correlates to brand power. So the more purpose-driven a brand That's seems to be, the higher your brand power. And then I also already said that the higher the brand power, the higher your volume share does sales. So you also have the proof that working on purpose and using purpose to strengthen your brand results in stronger brand power, results in more sales. So that is, for me, a very important uh, element uh, in purpose. Of course. And, uh, you know, in the end, uh, uh, the purpose of companies, the traditional one is to make profit. And now the purpose of companies also to be there for society. And this is something that perhaps uh, modern capitalists sometimes and, and shareholders will get to that, uh, forget that companies have always played a role in society. And how people look at companies is incredibly important in the way people look at your products and your brands at the end. And you cannot take that out. And this also impacts on the type of people you can be able to attract as consumers, but also as employees and stakeholders. So and this I, Yeah, and I like your um, comments on um, if you look back in history that companies has always been have always been about contributing positively because 
the difficulty of course is we can yeah purpose can be a very fluffy blurry uh concept how do you um how do you build it? How do you choose it? Those are uh, important questions. What we often do at Unilever and what I always find very powerful is really go look into the history of your brand, the history of your company. What, why did you actually start the company? Why was the brand started? That gives a lot of um, insights in, um, that can give a lot of insights in, in purpose. So in, when we're talking about how do you actually um, do it. I would say start with looking back. Where do you come from? Uh, what's how was the brand started? It can be a very inspirational journey to do. Indeed, and the good thing about looking at history is you add a level of authenticity there. So it is history. It is who you are. It is what you are. And authenticity these days is in short supply. And even with the rise of AI, the rise of uh, more ways of looking at data, where authenticity and craft becomes indeed um, a valuable asset. And in this way, you can tap into that. Yeah, fully agree. And um, it's also, I like your word crafting because it's about crafting. I think first of all, purpose, um, you have to approach it as a strategic brand and positioning topic um, that starts with deep consumer understanding, understanding where your brand uh, comes from. Then it's also about looking into what are the pain points that you are solving and find then that societal and environmental problem that links to that pain point because it needs to be relevant to your brand. Um, exactly. The, so, and their relevance, authenticity comes back. So, so that is an important one that I would also think, how can you make it unique? That goes back to the discussion that everybody, all companies are doing plastic reduction, find something that is really unique. Um, but also the importance of a long-term commitment. If you want authenticity, if you want relevance, purpose is not that one thing you do uh, next year and the year after it's over. It's really about thinking on the long-term and making long-term commitments. Also make those commitments measurable. What impact do you want to make? How many people do you want to influence? So try to get really into concrete, measurable impact. And then there's, yeah, Relevant authenticity, the big one is if you say something and if you have a brand purpose, well, act upon it. So it's really uh, yes. about saying and doing. And there's no, for me, there's a lot of discussion on, uh, yeah, but why do you have to announce it? And why, why, why do you have to talk about it? I find it important that brands communicate their purposes because it's part of their brand DNA. It builds brand strength. But if you talk about something, make sure it's authentic, genuine, and that you actually do things as well and that it's not only greenwashing or wokeism or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. So greenwashing and woke and sports washing these days is, um, is a big issue. But by saying it, you already make a commitment. And by saying it, you already put yourself out there that people can start measuring you. And of people, I mean, journalists, um, uh, activists, uh, consumers. So that already gives you a sense of commitment to society that can be measured. Exactly. And what for me has been a, a change in my thinking over the last, of thinking or um, yeah, thinking, reflections over the last years is that years ago, um, 
I wanted my brands to be perfect and you didn't want to hear any negative feedback. And the moment you had on social media, one negative comment, all alarm bells went ringing and you had to react. I think in today's world, that's, um, um, that's different today. You know, you can't do good for everyone. So be proud about your uh, brand purpose. Um, talk about it, put it out there, and half of the people will like it and the other half won't. If you're genuine, if you're authentic, if you've done the work properly with your brand and you're really taking action, then don't worry. Um, your community will be there. Your community will start shaping and there will always be people that will um, comment things like this is greenwashing or not. If you know you're genuine, you're doing the right actions, don't worry about that. You can't do good for everyone. And you're so right about that. It's, I think, also the acceptance of haters. You know, there will always be haters and hey, haters will always hate. And what you have to be is authentic to yourself. And as long as you're authentic to yourself and you put it as measurable out there, that communicate it afterwards, then you are on the right path. And you might and not get there all the way, but that's the only way to do it. And a nice evolution or something that, that I spotted the last year is actually the rise again of... Um, uh, long form content because before oh, yes. marketing it, need, it needed to be very short and concise message, messages. Now you see even ads that take three to five minutes that really explain very well what is the purpose, what are we doing, and you do see people engaging with it. So for me, that's an interesting one to uh, to continue watching and see what evolution we're gonna have uh, on that uh, in that uh, area. Um, but people are open to understanding more about your brand and you get a you can create a platform to talk about your commitments and your real actions you know it's so funny that you say that just last week i had a discussion with uh, flavia our chief editor about the rise of of, of long form indeed there is uh, and i and my feeling it is also taps into the need for authenticity because long form somehow goes beyond this snappy shortness of messages. You also see this on LinkedIn that long forms are, are longer messages are becoming relatively more uh, important versus shorter messages. Although short messages are still uh, in absolute sense score better. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. The... Um, short messaging and not going away. You need to be <laughs> precise, uh, nail it. But I do think you see a place now for proper explanation of what you're doing, your purpose and the long form, and people are picking it up. So um, a, a good one to think about for your brand. Indeed. Recently, there was quite some controversy in news with regard to, um, to purpose and the purpose of Hellman's with Terry Smith, um, one of the top 10 shareholders uh, at attacking Unilever with, with uh, a company which feels it has to define the purpose of Hellman's. Helmut's mayonnaise has, in our view, clearly lost the plot. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, um, interesting articles uh, on that one. Um, and if not mistaken, Terry Smith also kept all of his Unilever shares. So there must be something in the <laughs> Unilever purpose Indeed. story that is not too bad. I think there has been discussions on purpose since well forever uh, let's say um and there's big believers there's non-believers and one year you the believers are uh more present and the other year it's different i think what terry smith did was actually for me 
he created a good moment for self-reflection. Um, and we need to redefend the case that a sustainable purpose-driven organization will, bro will bring both short and long-term results. And there I think it was, and it is a fair challenge, that we also have to deliver strong short-term results. Because with purpose, we also talk, always talk on the long-term, the long-term commitments, and we say on the long-term it grows your brand. But what you mentioned before, we're not an NGO, we are a commercial organization. So I do think it was, for me, it was a very good reflection moment to think about, yeah, how are we looking at strong short-term results? But then bringing it back to um, what purpose is and what it's about, for me, purpose is a proven driver of brand power. So it drives growth. It's something that consumer wants, uh, consumers want. So that is the first thing as a brand you need to, to make sure of. Do people want you? Do people want your concept, your proposition? So it's something that consumers want. So for me, it's something we need to do to build stronger brands and a strong brand will deliver on the short and the long term. So I think that we actually need to do our purpose work even better um, also on Hellman's mayonnaise so that we deliver be uh, better short-term results. And there, Terry Smith was a good catalyst for that reflection. And as you rightly said, he didn't sell his shares. So I'm sure that Terry Smith will be eating his salad with Hellman's for years to come. It's a very good mayonnaise, so uh, he better be... Um, <laughs> And the, the, the approach, by the way, is working. If you look at the results of Hellman's, um, there's also quite some quite some articles on that one. If you look at the business growth of Hellman's, I think it's now a $2 billion brand. Um, so there's not that many um, of that size. And if you look at the real positive impact that the brand has on society, the brand does a lot on food waste. The, the team measures that impact. So again, thanks to that measurement and the data, you can really show your, your impact. But if you see that the business growth is there and the positive impact on society is there, I think that the purpose work for Hellman's is working quite well. And that's, a, I think, a nice, good ending of the story and of our podcast. Purpose works and it even works for Terry Smith. So exactly. That's a very nice summary. And a big thank you, Chris, for joining us today and sharing your valuable insight, theories, and experience. Found our discussion inspirational indeed, especially how you combine your marketing vision with practical implementation to build real-life strong brands that are meaningful at the same time. I hope, dear listeners, that you found these insights inspiring as well. And if so, please share our Branding of Wine podcast with friends and colleagues. And when you have a moment, We'd love to get your reviews or ratings. Hope to have you all listening in on our next podcast and thank you all for tuning in.